Well, we're in the book of Philippians this morning. But what a what a year we've had, right? We've had a a year that's been some somewhat challenging, for some horrible, from some weary, tired. Things have happened in this year. But we cannot but give glory to God. Because in and through the trials and the tribulations that we have gone through, I believe God has been doing some wonderful work in Saving Grace Bible Church. Amen. God is working out all things for the purpose of His own glory. And we just happen to be those who benefit from it. He has been strengthening this church. He has been making this church and the members more thankful and more grateful. He has been drawing us close together, refining the church where we are fellowshipping all the more. And we will see this with the Apostle Paul as we pick up the second part of the sermon. Beloved, my my desire, and I'm, I'm sure for your desire is for 2022 that we will all be conformed to be the same as, to look like, to be fashioned like Christ Jesus our Lord. Please, as I preach God's word, be reminded of the covenant that we just read. Be reminded of that. If you're part of Saving Grace Bible Church and you say this is your home, please, as I speak, as we hear God's word, remember the covenant that we made with one another and you will see that covenant at work between the Apostle Paul and the brethren in the Philippian church. My desire is that God will do amazing work that this year we will not plan ahead for the next holiday, that we will not plan ahead what's happening in the future, that we will plan one thing. We want to know Christ. We want to know him. We want to love him more. And we want to show this Jesus, this Christ, the one we love in and through this little church. And if God will remove people from this church, praise him all the same. And if he adds people, praise him. But we want to be united for the gospel and for Christ Jesus, our Lord. The last time we were in Philippians, as you recall, we looked at expressions of true joy in a growing church. This is essential for us. And we looked at Paul having a thankful heart and a joyful heart or spirit in prayer. Today we will look at three other expressions of joy that we will do well to grow into if we want a healthy church. One, joyful in fellowship. Two, joyful in salvation. And three, joyful in heart. Of course, this will be point three, four, and five because we're continuing from last time. Our desire ought to be that we will continue this, this fire that God begun. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul to, to the unbeliever? Well, I want to say to you, brethren, what, what, what does it profit a Christian if he gains all knowledge and all wisdom and he reads all the good literature? 
and he gains all love and all that God has given him and he keeps it to himself. What good is that if you don't give it away to your church, to your people? God does not give that to you to keep it to yourself and hoard it. We want to give it away. That ought to be our desire for 2022, that we will become more on fire and that fire that we will see in Paul and his church that is so vivid and so vibrant and people could not but see these people and call them crazy. They were faithful people of God so that we can be united and we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make him known. Make him known. So turn to Philippians and let's read together from verse 3 so we can get our heads around before we look at the first expression of true joy that we will do well to do in a growing church. So Philippians chapter 1, as you recall, we read from verse 3 and 4 last time, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering a prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Uh, But now we see this expression of fellowship in verse 5. In view of. You see, this this is explaining. Paul begins to explain the reason why, on the basis of why I have a thankful heart. I'm going to explain to you now why I'm so moved. When I remember you, my heart is leaping with joy. My spirit, I, I'm going to explain to you why I'm exploding within. When I remember you, my brothers and sisters in Philippi, Paul is saying this is the reason that my heart is thankful when I remember you. How? In your participation in the gospel. Did you hear that? In your participation in the gospel, Paul wants him to know that he is so joyful and his heart is so overwhelmed, not because these people are sitting at home and playing games. No, he says, in your participation in the gospel. And that word there, participation, is the word kononia, is the word that we get fellowship. This is the word that we get fellowship. The reason I'm over the moon and the reason that my heart is shouting to God for joy for you, church, and my spirit becomes so overwhelmed that I cannot contain it is because you, my brethren, are in fellowship with me in the gospel. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that Paul was allowed to be unchanged, unchained rather from, from the guard? And he was allowed to travel miles away and he was coming to the congregation that were fellowshipping together? No, no. But let's understand something. Fellowship speaks of our community projects. It's not alone. It is people who associated with one another in the same common ground. Fellowship speaks of a relationship. It is that willingness to participate and associate together as a husband and wife. This is what Paul is speaking about. Paul speaks about this willingness to give yourself away. This is what they were doing. Fellowship speaks of being partakers, partners, belonging to. Why was Paul so grateful and so thankful and so joyful that they were in partnership with him? What was this? 
Well, they believed, number one, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and they were united with Paul. Their fellowship, they gave sacrificially and continuously for the gospel. Look at chapter 4 for a minute. And let me read to you why Paul is so grateful and so thankful. And pay attention to this as you remember our covenant with one another. Pay attention to this, brothers and sisters. Chapter 4 from verse 14. And I'll show you the same word fellowship here. Nevertheless, you have done well to share. That's the word kononia with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me, no church had fellowship with me in a matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once of my needs. They shared in prayer, in a fellowship in prayer, they prayed for Paul. You can see that in verse 19. And they shared in the affliction of the gospel with Paul. When we say fellowship, we have a completely different understanding of what fellowship really is. Paul's desire was leaping for joy because these people, they, they loved Christ like Paul and they lived Christ like Paul and they sacrificially gave themselves away for the gospel like Paul. And to Paul, this was fellowship. There is something beautiful when brethren who claim Christ and love one another come together in fellowship. There is a beautiful unity amongst the brethren that bonds us together when we are in the same place, in the same space with Christ. Remember, Paul is miles away. He's chained to a guard. He's by himself and he's leaping for joy. He's saying, because you're fellowshipping with me in the gospel. Think about this. What does this mean? You got a movie, a movie buff who hangs around with an, uh, another movie buff. Uh, you've got a person who, who likes gardens. He hangs around with another guy who likes gardens. A guy who likes pool. He, he hangs around with another guy who likes pool. One who does exercise. He, another guy who does exercise and one who reads books. He hangs around with another guy. Why is that? It's a mutual sort of love. That's what the world says. It, it, it's a mutual love. Right? I mean, this is what happens in the world. We get together and somehow we think that this is fellowship. That is not fellowship. What binds us together is the mutual love of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Fellowship begins with Christ. We love the same Christ and we are thankful to Christ and we are joyful because of Christ and we fellowship even though we might have different uh, views on on books and, and exercise and, and all the rest of it, what binds us together, that fellowship that put Paul and his church together to be so joyful was Christ, the gospel. We are together today because of Christ. But let me tell you something, you can also be a member of this church and never experience this kind of bonding. 
You can be a member of this church and never experience the bond that Paul had with his church and never be joyful. Never be thankful because there is a misconception about this fellowship that two buddies just get together and talk about stuff. And we call that fellowship. No, we have Christ and Him alone who draws us together. Some of us got together for New Year's Eve, right? Amen. What a great night of fellowship. Well, those who don't belong to Christ, what do you think they would have celebrated? They would have got drunk on alcohol. We got drunk in the Spirit of God, if that makes sense. They, they would have spoke about, oh, guess what I'm going to do this year? I'm going to have bigger abs and, and bigger muscles and bigger this and bigger that and a bigger home and a bigger this. What were we doing? We're saying, Lord, have mercy. Grow us and make us more like Jesus Christ and unite us all the more, brothers and sisters. This is the covenant that we see with Paul and this Philippian church. In view of your participation, the gospel, the gospel. It is about the gospel, the kingdom of God. It is about Jesus Christ, the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of God, non-man made anything. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. The glory of Christ is revealed in the gospel. The gospel of justification, that's what they're participating in. The gospel of grace, you are participating in the gospel of salvation, the gospel of peace, and the gospel that saves souls. And for those of you who are continuously hearing this word gospel, I will tell you one more time. Your joy, your friendship, your hanging around with Christian will not save your soul unless you run to the cross of Jesus Christ and he causes you to be born again when you put your faith and trust in him. I am saddened that we can be part of this church and at best we do not understand what true fellowship really is. And become a little bit thankful perhaps sometimes. A little bit joyful here and there. Because I'll come to church whenever I feel like it. Fellowship to Paul meant everything. He is joyful in this. And then he continues. He continues. Listen to this brothers. In view of your participation in the gospel. From the first day until now. Paul is thanking the Philippian church. He's so joyful that the very day they heard the gospel, when they were born again, when God used Paul to proclaim the gospel, when Lydia was born again and the jailer was born again and all those newbies were born again, 10 years prior, they rolled up their sleeves and 10 years later, what are they doing? They are getting stronger in the gospel. They're not sitting back. They're not getting lazy. They are getting stronger in the gospel. Paul is saying that the day that they were actually saved, They turned away from idols. 
They turned away from their sinful ways. They turned away from the pursuit of happiness in this world. And they came under the Holy Spirit power and said, Lord, we yield to your will. And we will move forward from this day forth. And they were actively, continuously involved for the gospel in the fellowship with Paul. We don't see lazy people in this church. This is a decent church. We don't see them say, we'll leave evangelism only to the elders and the, and the, and the, and the evangelists. No, they were getting their hands dirty. Their salvation didn't begin and then just die. Their salvation was, I gave my life to Jesus 48 years ago and I'm never bringing forth any fruit, but God knows my heart. Now, this reminds me of a time when Spurgeon himself, some drunk man, went up to Spurgeon and says, Wow, you're a great preacher. I was saved under your ministry. And Spurgeon says, Yes, you were. Because you weren't saved by God. When God does a work in you, it will be evident in your life. This brought such joy to Paul. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. It doesn't exist in the Bible. You can be part of a church and even that member, as I said before, but you're never involved in anything. How can you possibly experience the love, the joy, and the thankfulness of heart. Why do we say, God, make me more like Jesus in 2022? Just leave me alone. Just leave me at home by myself. No, brothers and sisters, I plead with you, if you're going to make a New Year's resolution and say, God, make me like Christ, then be willing to forsake yourself for his calling to the brethren. You're not supposed to keep it to yourself. If Christ has started that fire in you, then get involved in fellowship and give it away because what use is it if he started that fire in you and you put it under a bench and under a basket for no one to see? Paul, oh, this fellowship that they had is amazing. They send him Aphroditus and Paul, then Aphroditus was sick, nearly on to death, and, and they loved Aphroditus so much, and Paul goes, listen, I'm going to have to send you back. He goes back, and he comes back. What a fellowship. They were not thinking of themselves. They were thinking of others. And Paul is overwhelmingly joyful in this. My prayer is that we will live up to this, grow into this, because this is the church covenant. We see it right here. Right here, give yourselves away. This ought to be our mentality. Psalm 133 says this wonderful couple of verses. Behold, how good, how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell apart, to dwell by themselves and say, Jesus loves me. You don't know me. No, it does not. He says, how wonderful, how, how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. And he goes on to say, it is like precious oil on my head. Listen, brothers and sisters, the fellowship that you have with one another, when it's pure, when it's God-centered, 
Christ-focused and gospel-driven will become honey to you. It will become so sweet that you will desire to do it all the more and all the time. And then you will use your giftedness and your talents and say, God, thank you for giving me these few talents and I'm going to give it to John and I'm going to give it to Wes and I'm going to give it to Pam and Maria and Rachel. I'm going to give it away. Why? Why is that? Because Christ gave himself away for the brothers. And there is no greater love than this, that you will lay down your life for the brethren. Now, this is another expression of Paul's joy. Do you see why we need this in this congregation? Do you see what makes a congregation healthy? Fellowship. Fellowship. I'm sad to say something to you. I just, I'm reminded uh, that someone said, we over fellowship. Almost idolatry. Please, I beg of you, would you say that to Paul? Would Paul say, too much fellowship, cut it out? Is Paul saying, hey, you're participating with me, but slow down. You're doing my head in. You're bringing too much stuff. You're serving me too much. I was Paul encouraging them. I want to encourage you that I've seen the work of Christ in this church. So grow in your fellowship. Don't think you have too much fellowship. You grow into it and give yourself away while you're doing it. That's per, that's the first expression. The second one is joyful in salvation. Look at verse six. I'm confident of this very thing. He who began the good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Can you think of a better thing? I don't know about you, but as I was meditating on this, I said to my wife, I don't know if I am. I'm going to confess to you, brethren. I don't do it enough. What? Rejoice in your salvation. There is celebration in salvation. I am confident, Paul is saying, I am so convinced. I am fully assured and I fully trust, totally believe in Jesus Christ. No doubt in my mind that he that began good work in you will bring it to completion. He, God the Father, began this good work through Jesus' death and resurrection. We ought to be rejoicing. Listen, your new birth wasn't your birth. God regenerated you. God gave you a new heart. It is God that's moving you to have new affection so that you can fellowship. He is giving you those new desires. It is God alone. And that good work took place when the Philippians heard the gospel and Christ became the object of their faith. I want to tell you, my unbelieving friends, okay, what is impossible with you to save yourself, it is possible with God. Paul wants to elevate Christ again. Listen, I am confident of this. 
Not that I, just because I brought you the gospel, it's not about me. I don't have confidence in myself. I have confidence in the God that you heard when the seed was sown, when God opened Lydia's heart. I'm convinced of that. It's that God, that God alone who began that good work. Let me ask you, can God do anything bad when he does some work? It's not like us. If you're anything like me, anything I do around the house, my wife says, you shouldn't be doing it. Maybe call a professional. It's not that good. It's not that good. But when God does the good work, it's good. It's perfect. This is special work, a work that cannot be broken. It's an eternal work. It's a permanent work. It is the work of Yahweh. Christ began that good work. You didn't ask God to save you. Yet perhaps you said, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. You didn't ask God for faith, although by faith you believed in the hearing of the gospel. But faith was a gift from God. You did not receive salvation because you sought God, although we are calling you to seek the Lord. But let me tell you something. God gives you ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive the gospel. God and God alone does it. In John chapter 1, Brother Young read this even before. Here's how how you need to come to Christ. But as many as received him, to them, to them he gave them the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of not the will of man, but of God. Salvation always begins with God. If God does not do the first move, you will never move towards him. Some people say, but Ralph, don't I have to ask God? Don't I have to do something about it? That's silly. I agree. Stay with me before you call me a heretic. I do agree with that. Here's your part. You ready? Your part for salvation is that you're an enemy of God. You're separated from God, from birth. You fight against him. You run away from him in rebellion because you are a sinner and hate God. God's part in salvation is that he sent his perfect and unique son to come and run after you. You the enemy, you who fight against him, you who despise him, and you who run away from him, and then he will bring you into his family and adopt you. It's a sad, sad thing that people will think that this says, he that began the good work in you will complete it with you. No, God begins the good work. And when God begins the good work, you're going to see in that person, Good work. We'll get there in a second. I am confident of this very thing, and Paul is just wanting to encourage the brothers. I want to encourage you that the one who began the good work in you, God will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. You won't be left behind. None of the movies, 
You're not going to be left behind if God began the good work in you. You're going to arrive at your final destination and you're going to persevere to the end because it is God who is completing it until the end. There is no half-saved Christians. There is no unsafe, safe Christians. No, one day, as Paul is saying, God will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ when we see Jesus face to face. He that began the good work will bring it to completion. We ought to rejoice in the fact that this is the will of him who sent me, that all he has given me, I'll lose nothing but raise him up in the last day. Paul is trying to encourage them not only about their salvation, but to be focused on their eternal salvation when they arrive there. There is just this misunderstanding that when we speak about the gospel, that the gospel only belongs to the unbelievers. The gospel in and of itself is for the believers. It's a fire in us. When we are reminded of the salvation that Christ began in us, this is a security. This is a guarantee. And Paul is bringing comfort to these people. He says that God who began that work, he will finish it. If you're born again, let me tell you something now. God is going to finish what he started. You can never lose your salvation. You can't throw it away. The Apostle Paul, in actual fact, was that adamant about salvation. He says to his brethren in the flesh, if I could be a curse for you, I would do it. Because he had assurance that he would never lose it. God began the inauguration of our salvation and he will perfect it at the consummation of our marriage with the Lamb. The perishable will put on imperishable. We need to stay focused, brethren. We need to stay focused that salvation that began didn't begin and then end. I want to encourage you now because what we can miss here, God started it, God carries it, God seals it. God begins the good work, but here's something that we can slip really quickly. The confidence that Paul had was in Christ alone. God done all that. But what they were doing was the evidence of God's work. Paul is saying, God did all this, but man, your fellowship with me is a proof that God began this good work. Because we can easily overlook this and think Paul is just saying, well, be happy and be married. That's it. You're saved. Paul is saying, no, you are. That's your salvation. But the witness of that salvation is the fruits that you're bringing forth. If you're in Philippians, just turn to the next book to Colossians for a second. I just want to read you just a little passage there. Colossians chapter 1 and verse, we'll read it from verse Three, so we can get it, but it's really verse six, so that I can maybe encourage you to examine. Verse three says, We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, this is the Apostle Paul, and the love for who? Which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth the gospel, right? Verse 6, which has come to you just 
as in all the world, also it, that is the gospel, is constantly bearing fruit. Now, what? pay attention, brethren, and increasing. And even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard it and understood the grace and truth. Do you see that? The gospel of Jesus Christ, when God actively comes and changes a person, guess what's going to happen to you? You are going to be actively changed in the gospel. This is where fellowship begins. Uh, This is where service begins, joy begins in the gospel of God and the works that we are revealing. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, right? But we tend to forget verse 10 of Ephesians 2. God said he prepared works that we should walk in them. In other words, if I'm born again, I am going to bring forth fruit. And these brethren, 10 years later, their tree is growing and increasing in fruits of fellowship and giving, and offering, and running out. Think about this. Paul is chained. How much courage did that give Paul when his brethren were chasing after him, visiting him as much as they could, sending Aphrodite? What encouragement? What encouragement was it when Brother Alex was sick and people chased after him? This is fellowship. This is what we see here. This is the covenant that we have made with one another under Christ. The result of the work that God begun, it is revealed always in the faithfulness and obedience unto Christ and to the brethren. Let's move to the third part from three here. The third expression of joy is a joyful heart. A joyful heart. Uh, What we're going to see here is Paul's expression of joy is coming to the epitome. Right to the top. Look at verse 7 and 8 with me, brethren. After everything he said, in light of what I just said to you, it's only right for me to feel this way about you. Plural, you all. It's only right for me to feel this. We'll talk about the feeling in a second. It's not just a feeling. He wasn't at home. He got goosebumps. Like when you watch a movie, you know? No, we'll explain that in a second. Because I have you, plural, in my heart. I've got you in the deepest part of me. Why? Look at verse 7 again, brethren. Since both in my imprisonment and the defense Of the gospel, you, plural, all are, that is continuous, partakers with me, partakers of grace with me. Paul is saying, every time I think of you, when I pray, when I'm joyful, when I'm reminded of you because of the fellowship and the salvation that you have, it is only right for me to feel this way and this means it is involving all of his inner being, his attitude, his concern, and his affections towards them. 
uh, this word is revealed in many places here in actually Philippians alone. Let me give you a couple so that we can understand this is not just a feeling that you have. In an actual fact, it is a feeling revealed in an action. Chapter 2, verse, verse, verse 2 is what Paul says, Make my joy complete, being of the same mind. That word mind is exactly the same word that we have here. And so this affection are not just in the mind, as you see in verse 5, have this verse Chapter 2, verse 5, have this attitude, attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. An attitude. What attitude? Jesus laid his life down. The attitude, you can read it. It tells you what kind of attitude we ought to have. It's not a feeling attitude. It's not you're dying and you're sick and I go, oh, I really feel sorry for him. I have this feeling for him. No, it's not. The attitude, according to you, keep reading, is that Christ laid down his life. That's the attitude that we're meant to have. That's what Paul says. It's only right for me to have this kind of attitude, an attitude of servanthood, an attitude that I will lay down my life for you. Chapter 3, verse 15, it says it again. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything, and so on and so forth. And in chapter 4, you can see for yourself in verse verse 10. And I think you get the gist of it. It's not just a feeling that Paul had. It was his conduct. And he says, I have you in my heart. I might be in chains, but I have you in my heart. And the word that I have, it speaks of a possession. I possess you in my heart. It's like owning a property. I I own you in my heart. You get that? This is not just a this is not just some something that we say, I love you, bro. This is not something I love you, sister. This is revealed in actions and attitude. It's external. Yes, it comes from internal, but it's externally revealed. This is what we see with Paul. Paul's heart was full of joy because they were partners with him. He goes, oh, my heart, I have you so much in my heart, I cannot contain it. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says that they were the joy, his joy and crown. They were partakers with Paul. And this brought such joy to Paul. Why? Because they were partakers for the defense and a confirmation of the gospel. You see that? What binds people together? The gospel, again. They were partakers. Paul's heart was so joyful, even though he was in prison, because they were partakers. They did not think of themselves. You see, they had a heart like Paul. They served Paul in prayer. They gave themselves away continually for the gospel in the grace of God. They were partakers with Paul. We'll get to it. Maybe we'll read it. Chapter 1, verse 29, in a suffering. Chapter 1, verse 29, for you it has been granted. That's the word grace, by the way. 
for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. I can't wait to get there and expound on that verse. Because the grace of God appeared that we may deny ungodliness, but the grace of God that's given to us also make us partakers in the suffering of Christ. Can there be a greater fulfillment for us to think forward in 2022 than to be partakers of the defense and the confirmation of the gospel? (laughs) Can there be a greater encouragement of heart to serve your brethren? Can there be a greater encouragement for us to fellowship together? Can there be a greater encouragement of heart to see faithful believers who for the sake of the gospel give themselves away? Let me tell you, brethren, we need to grow. We need to grow in this. We really need to grow in this. I'm thankful to God, but we need to grow all the more in this. And let me tell you, if we could say what Paul says in the next verse, this place will be on fire. Look at verse 8 with me. If we could say, for God is my witness. If we could say, God is my witness, how I long for you with the affections of Christ. Did you get that? Paul, just in case you didn't get it, how much I love you, how much I'm joyful, how much I'm thankful, I'm going to bring the greatest witness ever. This is not a witness to someone that knows Paul and he vouches for Paul, someone that they know in the church. I'm going to call upon God Almighty. Can you do that? Can you honestly say you say you long for your brethren that way? Hey, can you say that you love your brethren that way? In actual fact, can you say, God is my witness, I have such joy when I'm with my brother or sister in Christ. Oh, it's a scary thing. God is my witness. I'm appealing to the highest court. God knows. He knows. And he knows this. My affections are not normal. They're not normal. They are from God. They are supernatural. I long to see you all with the deepest desire, with all my affections, with all my bowels, the Bible would say, with the affections of Christ. Do you see that? You're supposed to have the affections of Christ with the brethren and you give it to them. But if you're not growing, then your affections are superficial. Can we call upon God? I mean, was Paul being prideful here when he called upon God? I mean, did not God the Holy Spirit move him to pen this down for us? And Christ compelled him with the joy and affection that he had, that he said, hey, I am so dying to see you with the affections of Christ. And yet, we're here. Hey, hey. Too much fellowship. What is this? He's saying, I'm dying to see you. I'm dying to see you with the affections of Christ. Just like Paul, David had this idea for the brethren. Psalm 16, verse 2 and 3, Paul, uh, David said, He said to the Lord, 
You are my Lord. I have no good beside you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. What a wonderful verse. This is a supernatural delight. And Paul himself, when he wrote to the Thessalonians, says, Now, verse chapter 4, verse 9, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Do a study. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it for the past five years, the whole one another thing. But the second commandment that Jesus gives for the greatest authority, love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. But love one another. I'm sure that's what Jesus said. And what we see here is this importance for us as Saving Grace Bible Church as we look in 2022. We ought to meditate on these things, brethren. Be joyful in fellowship. Be joyful in salvation. Encourage one another in salvation. Brother, you're saved. Oh, Christ awaits for you, man. Encourage one another and grow in your joy in your heart. Let us not be superficial. Just say we love one another because that's what we do as Christians. Love you, brother, and I love you, sister. Let's not do that only in word, but let's grow in our hearts. How do we apply these? Let me give you some application. Perhaps that in our midst we will grow in the fruits of these, that this church will become like the Philippians church. And that will have a great relationship with one another. First of all, it must begin with the gospel. Everything else won't matter unless you've believed in Jesus Christ and put your faith and trust in Him. You've got no security here from me, nor from Wes. We're only ministers, just like the Apostle Paul. He doesn't say, I began the good work in you. He said, no, God did. So I want to appeal to you again. Flee to Christ. Run to Him. For Christ still saves today. He didn't stop 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross. If you put your faith and trust in him, his blood is still fresh for you and cleanse you from all sin. Is the work of Christ, as we've seen here, visual in your lives? Is it visual in your lives? Do you have a desire for the people of God? Do you have a desire for them? I want to grow in my desire, but we must examine, do I have a desire to be with the people of God? Do I have a desire to, to serve the people of God? Remember the Philippians. They were serving Paul while he's in prison. Now let's go back to the covenant that we made with one another as we see through this. I want to ask you, those of you who were members, 
Are you investing your time in Saving Grace Bible Church? With your talents, with your finances, with your offering, and with fellowship? Are you giving yourself away here? Or is this just like a, a club? You come on a Sunday, you swipe your card, and you go home. I want to plead with you with tears. This is not Christianity. This is not from Christ. This is from the devil. You want to do that, you get a video card, and you clock in, clock out whenever you want. That is not what we saw today. Amen? How do we do this? Well, you need to grow in your affections for Christ, and then you give it to your brethren. Are you spending time with Christ? And if you don't know how, then all the more you ought to come with the brethren. Do you rejoice in the good work that Christ has begun in your brethren? What does it look like? We're meant to work together for the gospel. We're meant to be hospitable with one another because of the gospel. We are meant to comfort one another in the gospel. We are meant to be devoted to one another because of the gospel. We're meant to love one another through the gospel and be thankful in fellowship because of the gospel. By the way, Paul was so joyful in fellowship. I want to ask you, examine your heart. Are you joyful when you have fellowship? Because I can tell you the other night, I'm so thankful. I was joy so joyful over the moon that so many brethren wanted to help me to make the pizzas. I said, get out of my way. This is my service. I was so joyful in doing it. I, I think I lost weight. It was very hot in front of the oven. But I was so joyful in serving. Now, I'm not saying this to boast, brethren. I'm just saying, examine. Are you joyful when you fellowship? And if your brother is suffering and in trouble and in pain and maybe being persecuted, whatever the case may be, like the Apostle Paul, what are you doing about it? Because these guys were all over it, right? They were all over it. Next time, God willing, we'll see how Paul says, I want you to increase in this. But maybe there are hindrances in our life that suck the life out of us in what we've covered. Now, perhaps it may be, number one, that you're a false convert. It may be that you're not saved. <laughs> Why would you want to hang around Christians? All they talk about is Jesus. It may be you have to examine. You may be a false convert. If Christ has not ignited that fire in you, then the fire that this guy has and that woman has and this guy has, it's going to burn me in annoyance. Right? It's not going to burn me on fire all the more for Christ. It's going to, man, this dude, too much Jesus. Can we talk about something else? You have to examine. Or perhaps it can be that you're going through trials and you are taken as a believer, you're taking your eyes of Christ and you try to take the comfort and things in the world. It can happen. And you don't lean on the body of Christ. You just run away. And you want to be left alone. Or maybe, maybe, is that 
Your eyes is too much into the world. And, and Satan has, has put a smorgasbord for, before you. And Jesus is there somewhere. You can't seem to see him that much. Or perhaps you're in sin. And your sin is convicting you so much that you be around the brethren and he pulls out, amen, we need to live a holy life. It doesn't sit well with you. What I want to encourage you, that's foolish. You come to the brethren because we love you and we can help you to deal with your sin issue. Maybe it's because you're not studying the word of God enough. Or maybe you're not praying enough. My prayer that God spoke to you today. And if I can bring just what Wes just read before in the covenant, that we will be faithful to Christ. Because that covenant, we didn't make it up. We found it in the scriptures. Everything that Wes read is in the scriptures. And we just seen just a portion of it of what that ought to look like. Fellowship, rejoicing in fellowship, rejoicing in salvation. Right? And what? And rejoicing in Christ together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, for your word. It is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Father. Lord, that we can rejoice in our salvation, Father God. We can rejoice, as the Apostle Paul put it, Father God, that you that began the good work, you will bring it to completion. And because you began the good work, we have such sweet fellowship with one another. Oh, but we come before you, Father, and we pray that the heart that you've changed, oh Lord, that the heart that you've changed, we can come before your throne and say, God is my witness. I yearn for my brethren. I love them with a passion of Christ Jesus. I don't just love them. I don't just say, I love you, as the world will say, and give them a pat on the back. That passion of Christ was giving himself away for the brother. May these truths, Lord God, resonate in our mind and in our very fiber of our being as we look at your faithfulness in the year that went and begin a new year with you, Father. Please, Lord God, look over this church and increase our joy and desire for the gospel.